0: The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Monstrous Regiment Featuring a round table of dominion women Seeking to honor Jesus Christ in applying God's word Fearlessly and faithfully In all callings and seasons of life Both in and out of the home Reversing the curse And smashing pagan strongholds
1: You are listening to The Monstrous Regiment, of which I am probably the least qualified and a saltiest monster. Keep in mind that I am a Facebook's resident, ring-nosed, a modest hippie. And if you are easily triggered by single women speaking their minds while having blue hair, then I recommend that you move just gently on over to the Transformed Wife blog or pick up Doug Wilson's new romance novel. I promise you that the misogyny and spelling errors will surely soothe your minds. (laughs) In all seriousness, writing this particular podcast was kind of a labor of love for me. Um, it was something that caused me a little bit of anxiety over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and not just because I'm following Sarah and Kate who are my brilliant and engaging sisters, but because this topic is one that is really dear to my heart. Um, I want to talk about the reconciliation of ourselves to our bodies. Uh, I wanted to do this topic justice and communicate truth to those who have not been able to love and relate to their bodies, which is a struggle that I think we are all intimately familiar with. Um, But it's something that we may not have been able to address uh, or acknowledge, especially uh, in the context of a church setting or a church um, childhood. Uh, When you grow up in... Christian evangelical circles, body image, self-love, body positivity, those are all phrases that are kind of taboo. Um, the relationship between you and your own physical self was very much centered around guilt and sin, and to speak about it in any other way or any other context was considered liberal or feminist or inappropriate. Um The very nature of your body, by virtue of being composed of flesh, is considered to be this sort of decaying pit of sin. You know, unholy, unclean, ungodly. Your body is where your sinful desires sleep. Uh, And to be in touch with your body was to be in touch with your sin. Um, It was this sort of Gnosticism or dualism where your heart and soul belong to God, but your body belonged to the devil, to the earth, to the the world, and you had to really separate yourself from it to ignore it, to shroud it, hide it, keep it secret. Um, you weren't allowed to know it, uh, at least in my experience and in a lot of the places that I have um, become acquainted with other Christians and other groups and things like that. Um, so a lot of that is personal experience and the experience of those that I have been able to talk to and getting ready for this podcast. Um, bodies in these contexts were really to be, uh, controlled, regulated, uh, and most of all feared, you know, you were afraid of your own body and that it might turn on you and you had to really discipline it and regulate it. And the idea of having open palms and trusting God with it, uh, was not something that we were taught, um, just on the whole in church and, I really feel that it is just a tragic view of what God has created. Um you know, Psalm one hundred thirty nine says You created my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb, and to me, uh and I am of course, you know, I'm a poet, I love poetry, um I'm very emotional and and those kinds of things. Um the psalms and, and music and poetry really speak to me. And uh to me uh this Formation of us in the womb by the hand of God is every bit as magical and mysterious and awe-inspiring, awe-inspiring. Excuse me, as a night sky spilled over with stars, or a, um, I just learned recently about uh, bioluminescent algae and the way that it lights the whole ocean up with green and blue, and it's one of those anomalies that's absolutely uh, beautiful and it's a phenomenon. And the fact that he did that with us and for us is incredible to me. And it's, it's in that same vein of just, just magic. You know, he made our bodies and he made them as the carriers of our souls. And that's incredible. And the entire Bible speaks of that link between the body and the soul. Um, It speaks of the importance of our bodies and compares the bride of Christ to a body with all its essential members, each with their own important function. And there really is no shortage of parallels in the Bible um, about the body, mind, heart, and bride of Christ. You know, the, it talks about the eye is the lamp of the body. The tongue is the rudder of the ship. Um, First Corinthians says that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, which is something that you really have to take a moment to let sink in because it's it's a temple for the Holy Spirit that's it's beautiful. It's incredible. It's something that we've heard so many times growing up that we don't stop and think about what that really means. Um, uh, you know, it talks about, of course, our bodies are not our own. We were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Uh, but in general, the whole thrust of it is that we, uh, our, our bodies are not separate from us. They are us. We are them. We're all one, you know we do get to put away our bodies whenever we die, but, but these bodies are part of us. And that's something that I think scripture supports and the idea that, that sin lives in our bodies and we have to be afraid of them versus the thing that Jesus said, which is that sin comes out of our hearts um, and really our, our bodies follow suit uh, with those sinful desires. I think that it, we've got it a little bit backwards in that area. Um, and so it's, it's one of those things that you look back on and you wonder, why do we hate our bodies? Why do we have to hate our bodies? Because I think that so many of us do, you know, and in preparing for this podcast, I got to talk to a lot of people and connect with them uh, over their own relationships with their bodies and the vessels that God gave them. And the overwhelming consensus is, of course, that there's a disconnect and there is a fear. and um, a lot of people are on that sort of journey, excuse me, journey back to, um, being reconciled with their bodies. So for me, I tried to search back in my memory for the first time that I was ever really ashamed of my body because I always have been. And it's something that I've fought so much. And, um, I have a very distinct memory from, from when I was probably five or six years old, um looking down at my thighs and a pair of shorts. And, um, you know, I'm five years old. I'm this little girl and I'm ashamed of myself, that I don't look like the girls around me. Um, I used to imagine that young, I used to imagine like, like cutting away flesh until I was a certain shape or, or smoothing it out. Um, I would dream about it from a very young age. There was just a very deeply ingrained sense of self deprecation and self hatred. Um, but I look back at photos of me at that age and I was a little girl. I was beautiful. I was free. I was playing in the ocean or the park. Um, I wish that I knew how the very first seed of doubt and self-hatred was planted. But I think that for most of us, it really begins in such subtle and uh, seemingly innocuous ways that it would be impossible to pinpoint where it began. Um, and that was something that I found true in all the people that I spoke to where, they can't remember where it started. They just know that it's always been there and not just, not just women, either men too. this um, set of boxes that needed to be checked as far as how they looked and what their appearance was and what it communicated to other people. Um, And so it was kind of, it was kind of nice being able to connect with so many different people, a wide variety of individuals with different backgrounds and religions and body types um, and genders and, Find that we have this plane of shared experience, um, this universal battle to take our bodies back and um, this this fight against all of these external pressures that are pushing down on us all the time. Um, our bodies, especially, of course, the female body is uh, sexualized and objectified to the point that in the eyes of the entire world, even and especially Christian culture uh, and Christian circles, we are products bought and sold given and taken the entire culture has sold us the this ideal female form that is um you know the perfect balance of slender and curvy um smooth hairless without blemish um the perfect female body is white uh, effortless it's effortless to maintain um you know it's uh, small nose, big eyes, straight teeth, um, and we as individuals are completely removed from the equation. And this this sort of marketability of our bodies is the very center of our lives and, and whether or not we make it. Um, you know, I read this really disturbing uh, article uh, by the Medical Institute for Sexual Health. Um, they reported a couple of years back that there was... Um, steady rise per year. And this was back in, I think, 2016 or 17, um, in the number of teenage girls per year. So between the ages of 15, 18, 19, um, that were getting cosmetic surgery to make their genitalia look like that of a porn stars. And these, again, are children. They're young girls. um, Not even sure how some of them are getting access to this surgery, um, where they are mutilating themselves. And and getting these completely unnecessary painful surgeries so that they can look more like other women who are products who also have been surgically altered. Um, and they, they ask these girls, why are you doing this? What is the drive behind this? And it's because, um, in this culture of sexuality and all of those things, their, their sexual partners from a young age were startled and disgusted that they, that these women, looked like women. They didn't know what a real woman looked like. They didn't want that. Um, and not only that, but they didn't want what women act like, which is people. They wanted these sort of submissive uh, sex robots. That's what porn educates people is real and is, is intimacy to the point that people were, were and are altering their bodies in ridiculous, expensive, painful ways to literally be a product. And that's really scary to me. Um, and it's something that it does not exist isolated from our culture as Christians. It's something that is even more propagated and perpetuated in Christian circles. Um, we are still in these in these little groups and and bigger groups. We're still products, um, not just women, men too, but especially women. We're products. You know, we are. Um, excuse me, we are vehicles. We are uh, baby makers, sex givers, meal makers. Um, you'll see the argument made again and again that we, are, we exist for men, for the pleasure of men, for the use of men, um, for a vehicle, for lust that they've been nursing since puberty. Um, and we are expected not only to keep that same uh, completely unattainable female form, but we have to be ashamed of it, be afraid of it shield it in layers and layers of clothes, um, cover ourselves when our, we're feeding our children, uh, cover ourselves head to toe when it's hot outside. Our bodies are still marketable objects, but they're feared as these pillars of temptation, you know? Um, and this idea of us being like wrapped and gifted, uh, where all the way up until we are given to a man, that's when we're concealed and then we're unwrapped as a gift by them on our wedding nights. And it completely removes the intimacy from it, the partnership from it, and makes it a transaction. Um, And it's one of those things where uh, even children are sexualized and and regulated in these groups. You know, if you go to any religious Facebook group, um, you will see a group of dudes innocently innocently asking about how old a girl technically has to be before she can be wed and bedded, uh, which brings us kind of disturbingly back to this like ideal female form that is small and hairless and childlike, um, which is not surprising, but it is disturbing and, and may possibly be for another episode. Um, but basically we are taught from the beginning to be ashamed of our bodies to cover them, to be afraid of them. Um, we are taught, women are taught not just to use them to carry children, um, but to carry as many children as humanly possible in as little time as possible. Um, I can't tell you how many stories that I have heard directly from the mouths of women who were in a situation where they were having children back to back without any time to heal. Um, they were, it was considered a responsibility to yield yourself again to your husband immediately after giving birth, uh, for for his satisfying his urges and for um, you to be serving your duty. So it was very performance-based, you know. Um, I talked to one woman who is uh, tragically barren and always has been. And even though that she is a mother and has adopted, um, she's still in many Christian circles is not considered to be a, a real woman because she can't conceive children. So she is failing to... Perform basically, which is um, really, really sad. And I I still see her get uh, into these situations where people are saying that she uh, has been in sin and that's why God doesn't open her womb and all these other things because your body is separate from you. God curses it uh, based on performance or blesses it based on performance. Um, And it's just a thing where how can you love your body or have a relationship with it if this is? What you're taught. Um, now, don't get me wrong, the ability to connect with our husbands in an act of love and intimacy is beautiful. God created it. It's not a mistake. It's not something we should be ashamed of. Um, the healthy versions of it are good. Um, the ability to grow and carry children is incredible. It is pure magic. It's unbelievably cool. It's beautiful. I hope to get to do it someday. Um, But the reason that I bring these things up is because, you know, sex and fertility do not define us. They should not define us. Um, They are not the measure of our worth as women. Our worthiness as people is not dependent on our ability to perform in these or any ways. And it's not just women. It's men too. The idea that we have to perform, we have to prove our womanhood or our manhood by performing our roles. um, the way that this sort of toxic Christianity has laid out for us, which has absolutely nothing to do with scripture and everything to do with power dynamics and power religion. Um, excuse me. I lost my spot. Um, it's, it's toxic. It's, it's evil. It makes you separate from yourself and, and despise yourself. Um, and having these lies ground into our minds from the beginning is something that just informs the way that you view yourself and yourself in the context of the rest of the world and in relation to other people. Um, and it just makes it so that, you know, how can you even have that sexual relationship with your partner if you don't feel comfortable in your own skin and if you're not at peace and at home in your own body um, before you share it with someone else? And I, I don't believe that that is Christ. I don't believe that that is acceptable. And I do not believe that we should accept it any longer. Um, now, In addition to sexual objectification, uh, the body has been used as an excuse for dehumanization all throughout history. And that's something that we all kind of know and and have talked about uh, a lot, Um, whether that's the color of a person's skin and hair, facial features, the way their culture is represented through physical appearance, their age, their gender, uh, white supremacy patriarchy and every form of power religion has to lean hard into those physical disparities as being representative of the tiers of what they see as a necessary hierarchy. So, um, those stupid arguments that you hear where it's like, you know, white people are genetically more intelligent than black people and therefore more fit to lead, um, men being genetically more intelligent and logical than women and therefore more fit to lead and things like that. It's, it's very base, um, Ridiculous, kind of sad, um, very logical, uh always founded on trash statistics, bunk science. It all amounts to the same thing, which is I am entitled to be the one with power and privilege. And here is a set of superficial physical markers that make me feel comfortable saying that out loud. But they shouldn't. Um <laughs> when human beings choose to love themselves more than their neighbor and elevate their own well-being over others. They like to use any and every arbitrary and illogical reasoning they can think of and work out within themselves to paint this sort of picture um, for the world that shows why it makes more sense for them to be on top. Um, It has everything to do with power dynamics, like I said, even on a personal and relational level, um, in all of these smaller versions of, of power religion where it's an unhealthy or abusive relationship, where one person feels the need to exert power over the other person, um, they will use, uh, sorry, they will use um, those physical disparities and those physical differences, appearance, personality to make that person feel small and unworthy. And um, it's a dirty trick, it's cruel, but it works. It's It works to uh, be constantly told and tortured that you are less than that you are not beautiful that you are not worthy um it's just it's a tactic uh and it's it's ugly but it works um i recently read a a quote by an australian actress um susanna please don't kill me if i mispronounce her last name i don't know how to say it uh her name is anna mcgain and um, i had not heard of her before she wrote she wrote a book that i will uh, probably pick up because of this quote it was really powerful to me um it was in the context of a conversation about her journey with her body, and she said, I follow my body's journey from the idea of being a marketplace that is bought and sold, is merchandised, is used or dominated or enslaved or injured for the sake of others' gain, to transforming into a sanctuary or temple and other incarnations like a hearth or tent or bride, from having no worth to being of extraordinary, priceless value. And this to me was exactly right. This is exactly right. This is what we are fighting for. It is the reconciliation we are looking to find. We are taking back our bodies from a context where we are marketable, where we are used and harmed and torn apart for the sake of other people's gain and greed and bringing them into a context where we are a sanctuary. Uh, Our bodies as temples has absolutely nothing to do with, um, Tattoos or piercings or colored hair or any of that superficial stuff. It doesn't matter. It has to do with the indwelling spirit of God and the fruit that he bears there. Um, again, you are the image of God. And that includes the body that he gave you. It's not separate. Um, one of the things that I got to thinking about while writing this podcast was the reality that we are often separated from our bodies by these, like, societal rules of pro- propriety, propriety and politeness Um, from a young age. We don't know that we deserve autonomy and safety and the ability to say, don't touch me, leave me alone. Um, We are taught to uh, not only obey and to please um, and appease others, excuse me. We are taught to only obey and please and appease others. Uh, We are a vehicle for them. Uh, We're taught from the beginning that A, our bodies are sinful and bad and evil, and B, our bodies serve to exist and serve, our bodies exist to serve other people's purposes rather than existing as temples of God, you know, holy, capable, and ours. Um, we are removed from ourselves and told, you know, what is and isn't okay to wear on our bodies, on our faces. Um, Again, whether or not we can color our hair, have tattoos, have piercings. Um, We are supposed to appear feminine if we're women, whatever that means, Uh, appear masculine if you're a man, whatever that means. Um, We are told what to do with our bodies that in areas that are completely up to Christian liberty in regards to like yoga and drinking alcohol and ingesting a plant. um, We are told how little autonomy we have over our bodies, um, who we are and are not allowed to give access to is outside of our control. And in this whole process, which is a lifelong process, we are taken further and further away from ourselves. Um, And it's something that is tragic and heartbreaking and something that a lot of people are not even allowed to look at or address. Um, There are many people, even recently, who are, that I've talked to personally, who are so abused and used and battered that the fight that they're in right now is to stay in their bodies, you know, deciding not to unmake themselves and get out the only way they know how to. Um, And that to me is heartbreaking. You know, these people are hurting themselves because it's the only thing that feels like a relief because it's this body that they hate and they want to escape. Um, Because the very nature of fallen man is to take and take and take From the vulnerable, and from the uh, exposed, and from the underprivileged, and these are people who have been so removed from their own skin, and and so lost inside of it, that they're ready to end it, to be done with it, and they need us to tell them that there is space for them. And that is why I wrote this podcast. That's why I'm here today. And that is to tell you that there is home for you inside of your skin. There is room for you. There is air for you to breathe. I know it sounds cliche. I know. I got told these things a million times when I was growing up. I have loving parents and a loving family. They never made me feel unwanted or ugly or or ashamed, Um, but I did anyway. And I know it sounds cliche, but the truth is that God made you. He formed you. You don't belong to anyone. Your body does not belong to anyone. Your body is an extension of you. It's an extension of your personality and your unique soul. You know, um, you do need to take care of your body and, and be kind to it because it's something that God gave you and, and that you need to honor God with. Um, in the same sense that, you know, we don't want the ocean to be more full of plastic than fish, things like that, which by the way, we sh- should want. <laughs> um, we need to take care of our bodies, They're vessels, they're ours. Um, but that has nothing to do with how you look. It has nothing to do with how you wear your hair. Um, You know, my profession is as a hairstylist and a cosmetologist. And my favorite thing about my job is getting to meet and connect with all these different people and to help them find that outward expression that makes them feel the most like themselves. Um, Because people are complex and beautiful and difficult and challenging. And so completely different from one to the next. And I love to help people find that balance and find that expression. Um, Because learning to find healing in your body and learning to be reconciled to the sight of so much hatred and loss uh, is not wrong. It's not vain or worldly or selfish. It's Christ alive in us. It's reconnecting the pieces that have been rent apart. Um, It does take time. It does take safe places and safe people. It takes tenderness towards yourself uh, that will have to be acquired over time. Um, It does get easier, I promise. When you are able to view yourself as a person and not as a marketable good, you no longer have to worry about being that smooth, carefree, porcelain image of unattainable perfection. You don't have to worry about what appears to be masculine or what appears to be feminine. You don't have to worry about... What will sell you to any person or group of people? When I was talking to people to prepare for this podcast, I had um, a friend of mine tell me that she got great advice from a stranger while she was traveling. Uh, And he said, focus on your primary, meaning, you know, focus on the things that you're passionate about, focus on the people that you love. Um, Because I think when you are looking forward and looking outward, it gives you a healthy and more clear perspective of your own self and the space you take up. Um, love God, love your neighbor, act justly, love mercy, you know, all those things that God showed us to do, you know, it's okay to find the medium through which you give and receive empathy and compassion. And it's okay to find out the unique way that you connect and share experiences. Um, I think that we all have one. We all definitely have one. It's okay to take room to find that thing. Um, and it's, it's especially okay to let your body be a part of that because it's a vessel and it's your home and it is your safe space. Again, it does not belong to anyone else. It belongs to you. And it's okay to find healing there. It's an, it's essential to find healing there, especially for so many people who have um, been used and been abused. Um, there's this poet I really like, and he he is... He became famous uh, for writing a poem about his experience um, when he was raped. And because he was a man, no one believed him. Because he was a man, he was removed by so many people from his body and his uh, autonomy. And one of his lines of his poems, if I can remember correctly, was that he said, when somebody has their body taken from them, do not try to take their body from them. (laughs) People need to be connected to their bodies, they need to have ownership of their bodies, they need to have safety in their bodies. Um, Autonomy, expression, personality, those are all things that belong to God. They're not wrong, they're not evil, they're good. Um, And that is really what I came to say. I think that it is a journey that we're on, that is healing, it's hard, um, but whether you're a man or a woman or a child, um, it's okay to find that space it's okay to think about it it's okay to get connected with it and to get to safe people to find that um so don't let anyone take your body from you take it back um so that's it you know we are not our bodies our bodies are ours um we are not our bodies and we will not be easily devoured
0: thank you for listening to the monstrous regiment We hope this podcast inspires and equips you to go and exercise dominion for Christ's kingdom. Terrible as an army with banners.